It's going to destroy the world. My father said that one day, if man continued in his ways, the creator would annihilate this world. I saw water. Death by water. That's on your life. A great flood is coming. We build a vessel to survive the storm. We build an ark. I've made up my back, and you stand alone and defy me. I'm not alone. It begins. When they come, they will be desperate, and there will be many. Russell Crowe, he, he's a good actor, right? But, like, he probably got paid $10 million for that one line, right? Because he's like, I'm not alone. And you're like, oh, that, Russell, that was brilliant. That was beautiful. Do that again. Here's $10 million. Go. I'm not alone. I mean, he's good, but he's not that good. But that moment right there, the eyes, that's good. Thank you, Russell. If you ever think of him as just Russell and not Russell Crowe, he sounds like a different person. Hey, there's Russell. Okay. Thank you for being here, guys. I'm so glad you guys are here. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you to all those that are watching online. We're super glad you're here. This is Noah, Noah week three. And I got to tell you a story. When I was in the seventh grade, me and my friend Nate used to ride the bus every single day to and from school. And on the uh, second to last day in seventh grade, we had an idea that on the last day of school, at the stop before our last stop on the way home, that we would jump off of the bus from the back, because we thought, well, that's a good idea, and so the next day, we're sitting in the back, of course, and we get to the second to last stop, and the bus starts moving, and we just, we throw this thing open, we jump out of the bus, Sheila, the bus driver, flips out, and she's just like, what is going on? She goes out of the bus, obviously stops it before she goes out of it. And she looks back, she goes, what are you guys doing? You're in trouble. And we're like, peace, it's summer. So then the next year comes around. This is a picture real quick of me on a bus. 514 serves, we took buses down there. So this is just like a little throwback just to show you what it probably felt like. But we, uh, we're, we're eighth grade, second to last day. Right? We get on the bus, and Sheila's like, guys, please don't jump off the bus tomorrow. And we're like, oh, Sheila, <laughs> you're so sweet. Stop. We were eighth graders. We didn't say you're so sweet. We're like, fine, whatever. And the next day, when we're getting on the bus at school to drive home, she has a big bowl of candy. And she's like, guys, if you get off the front of the bus, you can have whatever candy you want. And Joel and Nate, you're going to sit in the middle and not in the back. And we're like, okay, fine. She's working really hard. She's going the extra mile to keep us on the bus. She really wants us to stay on the bus. So we'll do it. So we get to the second to second to last stop before our stop. 
one stop before where we would have jumped off. And we're looking, just trying to like go along with the flow. I guess we'll just, you know, all the kids are getting off the front. They're getting candy. They're excited. And Nate and I just lock eyes. We get this like look in our eye. We were that good of friends, right? Like we didn't have to say anything. We finished each other's sentences. We just knew, oh yeah, this is going to happen. <laughs> we're, we're, we're jumping off the bus. <laughs> so we get to that stop. And Sheila stands up. You can get candy if you get off the bus. And she's like looking right at us. And we know that our stop is next. And she sits down and she starts moving. And we just grab our book bags and just run to the back. And we're like jumping over people, like hurtling. Like it's just beautiful in my mind, right? Like just the slow motion moment of eighth grade boys, right? So we're, we're jump, we get to the back, lift this thing open, the alarm goes off, she slams on the brake, we jump out, we're like, yeah, we did it. She's like, you boys don't get any candy. Have fun in high school. We're like, we will. Peace. It was awesome. It was so great. Back then, like, you could just jump off of school buses. Now, kids, don't do it, okay? They will shut down school for a week. So please do not jump off your school bus now. It's not a good idea. Do as I say, not as I did, okay? Um, not a good idea, but we did that. And it's just funny, right? Like, as an eighth grade boy, I just had that strand in me, like so many do, like so many of us do. And with this series, there's something that needs to be said. That story and the story of Noah really tells us something about ourselves that is important, that we have to get out there. And what it says is, the thing, is, is what's true for me, is true for you, is true for everybody. And that is that we are all sinners. We are all sinners. So here's what sin means. You're not a church person. Maybe you are a church person. You didn't know this. You, you've gone to church your whole life. Sin is the state of who we are and what we do. And in scripture, it means to miss the mark. So what you, you, I've done this before, bring up a big bullseye, you've got a bullseye. The bullseye in the very middle obviously represents what God wants, what he wants for your intentions, for your heart, for who you are, and for your behaviors. And ever since the beginning, when human beings made the decision, made the decision to, to do things against God's will, um, to stray away from what he desired for us on the inside and on the outside, we have been sinners, which means we have missed the mark, which means here's God's plan and we miss it. We fall short. And then scripture goes on to teach that if you break one of those rules, you break them all. So essentially, like, if you're not perfect, you're in trouble. You're a sinner. And this sin separates us from God, and it messes up the how we live and think and act. It's just a total mess. And so it is not popular to sit and talk about how we actually, as humans, aren't perfect. A lot of people don't like this concept. They say, oh, it's just the way we're supposed to be. And those evil desires, that's the way God wants it. You know, he gave those to you. And so there's a lot of different thoughts out there. But scripture teaches that we are sinners. That we're in trouble because of that sin. So for this series, I have laid it out there. And if you didn't watch the first week or you, didn't, you weren't here for the first week, you got to go back because uh, the, the bottom line for this whole thing is that we need to live for something and not against something. And when this movie came out, there were a bunch of people that because there were some inaccuracies with the movie and didn't line up with the Bible, that people just threw it out, just said, oh, it's no good. But as I watched it, I went, there is three big concepts in here 
that I just believe everyone needs to know. And as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, as a, as a brother and sister, and all for all of you as a, in relationship in the church, I just was like, man, these are things we need to talk about. These are things that need to be said. These are things that need to be communicated. And the first one was that there's a creator. This movie talked about how there was a creator and how he was like the creator. He breathed life into the world, the planet, everything was him. It was all him. He designed it. He created it. And nobody questioned that. And on top of that, that he was loving. And the second thing is that this movie communicates so clearly that the world and the people in the world are wicked and evil. And it's not just what they do, it's who they are. That is not popular, but Hollywood says that, so I'm going, you know what? This is critical. We have to be reminded. When we stand up, sit down, gather around, when we come together in a building and we worship Jesus, we talk about Jesus, we think about Jesus, or we're investigating who Jesus is, one of the fundamental principles is that we're sinners. Because this idea of sinner puts us in a, need, in a place of need. It says, you're in trouble. Your relationship with God is broken. If you're not a sinner, you don't need a savior. And if Jesus is the savior, if you're not a sinner, then Jesus is irrelevant. Just don't need him. Jesus said, I came to take, this, take away the sins of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Well, why do we need that, Jesus? We don't need you if we don't need you. So we all have to kind of come to this place, and it's not popular, and it's not one of those things that if you're looking on the outside in going, man, I, I love what they believe, you may, you may hear this thing that we're a sinner and go, ugh, I don't like thinking that way. I want to have all positive thoughts. I'm one of those where I am for a creator, and I am for, I believe in communicating that we are sinners. And I'm thankful that this movie did, and the scriptures do, and so I'm going to put it out there, and we're going to talk about this today because it is fundamental for you and for me. Now, in the scriptures, it says that we're sinners. In Genesis chapter 6, the beginning of this Noah story, what you find is that you have the first created people, and then they have kids, and 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 they have kids. And, have kids. and then this guy Noah comes onto the scene, and it says that when Noah was on the earth, that God looked at the earth, and he saw nothing but sin. Sin, wickedness. This is what it says. You can read this anytime. In fact, Genesis chapter 6, Genesis chapter 7, 8, and 9, the story of the flood, uh, all of the first 10 chapters of Genesis. Uh, you know, if you're like skeptical of the Bible, just start over and go fresh and just say, okay, I'm going to just take this for what it is um, and look at it and read it because it's intriguing. It's, 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 it's amazing. It's fascinating. It, uh, it says where we came from and where we are today. It talks about our issues, our problems, and it matters. And so take a minute, anytime, and, and open up your Bible or open up your phone and, and read scripture. Um, I, I put my, my Bible, I have stacks of real Bibles that I've read my, my entire life and when I was in school. Now I have, I have like a bunch of Bibles on my phone. I mean, that's what I do. And I can highlight and take notes and I'm always reading it and I read it on my phone. So you don't have to think that like, well, if I don't have flipping through the pages, that's not real. It's real. You can read it anytime, okay? There's a lot of websites. Do it. In Genesis chapter 6, this is what it says about you and about me and about the people on earth before the flood. It says, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. The wickedness, their behavior. They did wicked things. It goes on to talk about how they were always violent. Right? And so what you see is if you know scripture, you know that Cain killed Abel. Those are the kids of Adam and Eve. Cain killed his brother. He murdered him. It's a first murder. Right? That that idea of death 
it just didn't stop. That Cain went out, and he had kids, and they had kids, and then evil wrapped itself around the globe. And everyone was killing each other and wicked. And God looked on the earth, and he said, look, wicked, it's wicked, it's great in all the earth. And that this is even more, right? And that every intention of the thoughts and of his heart was only evil continually. So what that means is that they did things that were evil all the time. And they thought things that were evil all the time. They thought and did evil all the time. Sinners. That's what it says. Broken. God's standard. They're breaking it. Now, the story of the flood, if we don't take it and we don't look at the whole picture, we could think, and maybe this is you, you think, well, God looked at people, right? And they're not perfect, but why would he just look at their sin, see that they're wicked, see that they do evil things, and then just go, I'm going to build a flood, and I'm going to wipe them off the face of the planet, all of them, except for Noah, which Noah was actually evil too. There's just a difference. Noah believed in the creator. I'm going to talk about that more at the end. He actually went, I'm evil, I'm wicked too, everyone is, but I believe in God, and I want to trust my life with him. That's it. It was just faith. Faith. He believed in God. He lived his life to try to honor God. He wasn't perfect, but the other people didn't want anything to do with God. And you may think that just because they didn't want anything to do with God, that it's unfair that God would then flood the earth. Let me just bring you some insight to the New Testament as we look at the whole story and you back up and pause and go, okay, what really happened with this? There's people that were created in the image of God. They became evil and wicked. What they did and, and what they thought was wrong. It was not how God wanted it to be. There's a man that spent a lot of time with Jesus named Peter, right? He was one of his three closest friends. And 30 years after Jesus died, Peter was in Rome. He had traveled from Jerusalem to Rome. And there was a church that started in, in Asia. And it had a bunch of teachers in this church that were teaching people that, um, that Jesus came, but that he wasn't going to come back, that it wasn't real, that, that he was real as far as a person on the earth, but that he wasn't going to come back and save the people. He wasn't going to come a second time. And so Peter, he's writing these people going, you need to know that as true as the flood was and what happened then, it shows us what's going to happen even though it hasn't happened yet. So he's trying to say, I want to remind you of something that happened in the past so that you can know what is coming in the future and that God is consistent through all of it. And so when he does that, he gives us, through the power of God's word, this insight into what happened when Noah was on the earth. And he says this, this is so cool. He says, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah. He's saying, you guys aren't patient. And there was teachers saying, don't be patient. Don't follow Jesus. He's not coming. And Peter's going, Just, look, you guys are not obeying Jesus the way that they weren't obeying the creator. When God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. And what we see here is when you open up the Bible, you see that Noah was told to make an ark when he was 500 years old. And that the flood didn't come for over a hundred years. A hundred years. You know what this means? This means that God looked at the earth and he goes, oh, 
Everyone is doing wrong things. They're thinking wrong things. They're evil. They're wicked. And he went to Noah and he said, Noah, you have trusted me. You are living your life in faith. You believe in me. You're trying to lead your family to follow me. And that is changing your behavior, but really it's your faith. Build an ark. Build an ark. Build it this way. Build it this tall. Build it this wide. Build it this way. Bring all the creatures on there. Bring them on there. And in over a hundred years, I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to wipe the people away that have rejected me. A hundred years. What this means is that Noah, in the first ten years, went around while his kids and his family are building the ark and went, guys, we can build an ark for you too. God could build an ark for, for all of us. Anyone can be saved. Do you want to be saved too? And then 10 years went by and he did it again. And essentially what it is is that God, for a hundred years, kept going to the people and saying, if you want a relationship with me that saves you, you can have it. And the people went, no. No. Joel, stay on the bus. You'll get candy if you're on the bus. No. Rejection. You see, so many of us look at the story of the flood, and it's just common, right, that God rejected people. Man, how could a loving God, how could he flood the earth? How could he? The flood does not represent God rejecting people. The flood is what happened to a bunch of people that rejected God after a hundred years. God did not reject the people. The people rejected God. You have to know that. You have to know that God is loving, that his character is perfect, and that when he looked at the people, it says in Genesis 6, it says that he was sad. He was sad. He goes, I wish they wouldn't. I wish they wouldn't. Let's give them more time. Let's give them more time. You need to understand, during the days of Noah, there was time to turn to God. A hundred years. I mean, how much time is a hundred years, right? Ten years go by. That's multiple generations, right? We're not all going to live to be 120 years old. And God said, tell the generations over and over again, there's time. There's time to turn to God. What you need to hear today is that this story, this picture of people rejecting God, this is where a lot of us are today. You see, there was time to turn to God. There is time to turn to God. Right now, and that's what Peter's saying. He's saying, some of you guys are forgetting that what happened in the past is going to happen in the future. Now, God made a promise, and I'm going to talk about this not to do with water, but there's time. You can still get on. The earth isn't, isn't destroyed yet. But the, the reality is that just like in the days of Noah, when there was time to turn to God, there's time to turn to God now. And just like in the days of Noah, the time to turn to God will run out. It's going to run out. It's going to happen. And so every single one of us, if you're in like this room and you hear my voice, you're accountable to this message. God loves you. He wants you to be saved. There's time. There's time for you to get on the boat. There's lots of time. He wants you on. 
but the time will run out. Look what Peter goes on to tell these people. He's like, you guys, he did it before, he'll do it again. You just are understanding that right now is a, is a moment for you to take a minute and ask whether or not you want to embrace Jesus. You want to embrace the creator. Look what he goes on to say. This is so cool. This is in the next book that he writes. He said, the world that existed then was deluged with water. Talking about the flood. Saying, see, this is about the character of God. He covered it up with water. People rejected him, and all those people perished. They perished before the flood came. They rejected God, and then the water wiped them away. You've got to understand that. It wasn't like they're going, oh, we love God, we love God. They're going, we want nothing to do with God, and for 100 years, we want nothing to do with God, and the separation had already happened, and he goes, okay, I'm starting over. But by the same word, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire. So this is, this is the truth. This is the part, right? There's time to turn to God, but at one point, Jesus is going to come back to this planet. And he's going to take those that know him, and those that don't are going to be destroyed. And it's not the fire that's going to destroy them. That's just what's going to wipe them away. The rejection of God between now and then is what is going to kill them. It's the same as the flood. That's the message. It's the message of the ark. It's the message of the Bible. God loves you. There's lots of time, but it's going to run out. And if you don't get on the boat before it runs out, that's not God rejecting you. That's you and me rejecting God. You want to know about the heart of God? Peter goes on to say something to these people because they're misunderstanding, they're being led astray, and they're being taught that, that God doesn't care about them, and that he's not coming back, and, and, and all, this, all these lies. And he goes, you, you guys don't get the heart of God. He is amazing. And when I was in school, they made us memorize this passage. They made us. They were like, look, when you're leading people or you're, you're you know, a strong follower of Jesus, this is like a, this is like a very critical piece of the puzzle. Like you have to re remember this, you have to tell people this, because this says a ton about people and a ton about God. And there's so many passages in the scripture that say a ton about people and a ton about God, but this is like a paramount passage that says this. And this is what Peter says, he just goes, you need to know about God. You need to know. You need to know God doesn't reject, but people reject him. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Look what he says, Peter. God isn't late with his promise. He's talking about the people saying that Jesus is never coming back. He says, God is not late with his promise, as some measure lateness. Some are going, see, come on, he was gone 30 years ago. He's never coming back. Come on. He's never coming back. There's critical scholars that think that this was written 100 years after Jesus. I don't believe that it was. I don't know how much it really matters. But there's some, and like all of Jerusalem had been destroyed. And so they're saying, see, God, Jerusalem's destroyed. Jesus isn't coming back. Nothing's working out the way that he said. Forget about Jesus. And the point is, no, 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 no. All that time is not time that God's saying he doesn't care and he's not coming back. It's time that he's saying he cares so much he wants you to turn to him. He is restraining himself on account of you, on account of me. He is holding back, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. God doesn't want anyone lost. He doesn't want anyone lost. So this, this, what this does is it brings up a teaching about the desired will and the decreed will of God. God's desire is that everyone accepts him oh that's what he wants he goes i want you to love me 
I'm not going to make you love me because that's not love. And I can't tell you why he did it that way, but that's what he did. He said, you get a choice, and I want you to accept me, but I'm not going to make you accept me. Make a choice to accept me. I don't want anyone to be lost, so that's why there's time. That's why there's time. There's time. Go tell everybody. There's time. You can still come back to God. There's time. He's giving everyone space and time to change. If you haven't accepted Jesus, you're framed. You're framed right now. Click. You've been framed. He's going, just give him time. If you're in here today, you can hear what I'm saying. The whole time, God has been knocking at your door, going, I want a relationship with you. Do you want a relationship with me? I really, really want one. And some of us have just rejected, no, 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 I don't want anything. I don't want anything to do with you. And now you're here, and maybe that means that you want one. And if you want one, you can have one. But if you don't, you won't get one, and that's your choice. That's the point of this message. You get to make a choice. You get to make a decision. See, here's where Christians have messed up. We like to look at people who have made the decision to accept God and love them more and the people that haven't made the decision to love God and give them the fire and brimstone. What God says is, I love them all the same. Some of them have rejected me. Some of them have not. Don't treat anybody different. The only difference is those that have accepted and those that have rejected. And you need to know that if you have sit here and you haven't accepted, and this is hard, this is a tough blow, so just hang with me. In, in a sense, it means you are rejecting. It means you're going, no. It means maybe you have more questions. And maybe those questions are stopping you from engaging the creator of the universe. Can I just tell you, he is not rejecting you. He's going, come on, come on, come on. Come have a relationship with me. I really want to have a relationship with you. Next week, we're going to talk about one more piece of this story that changes everything. It changes everything. And until then, you have to sit with this message and go, am I going to accept or reject him? And you need to know, there's time. But there won't always be time. You see, this is real. The cross of Jesus Christ is as real to us today as the creator was to them. They reject the creator the same way that you and I may reject the cross and Christ today. It's just as real. It's just another way for God to explain his love. And you get to make a choice. And so today is like choice day. Decision day. Because my job is to declare the love of God and see that some of us, throughout the time that he's allowed us, hear the message of his love and don't understand all the ins and outs and the whys and the hows, but know if that's true, he loves me. 
If he died on a cross for my sins, ooh, that is him saying, I love you. You see, scriptures teach that Jesus is God, and he did not consider equality with God a thing for him to even stay a hold of because he was like, no, no, no. I'm not going to stay up here in the heavens on my throne. I'm going to come down to them because I want to communicate to all people for all time that I accept all people for all time. And they get to make the choice. I'm going to go down there. I'm going to die a sinner's death and not be a sinner. And in that moment, I'm going to communicate verbally and physically for the rest of my life and theirs. I love you. I'm not rejecting you. I'm accepting you. I'm here. I am here for you. Please, 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 please get on the ark. There's time right now, but there won't always be. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to get on the ark. And you need to know, like, when you get on the ark, you don't, like, all, all like, become, like, this perfect individual. It's, it's not like this thing where, like, oh, we're going to, like, celebrate the majesty of you getting on the ark. It's a bunch of survivors like me on the ark that were people not on the ark that didn't accept God for a long time. I rejected God, and then one day I accepted him, and I get, like, brought into this relationship with God. And really, like, I struggle with a lot of the same stuff. I have a lot of the same questions, and God is working in my life. And I get to be, here's the difference, on the ark with other people that have accepted being on the ark, and we're working through life together until we get to see Jesus. But don't let that stop you. Don't let it stop you. Don't let your questions stop you. Get on and ask questions along the way. Here's the deal. I'm going to say a prayer. And in this prayer, I'm going to give people in this room an opportunity to accept Jesus. And see, here's the thing that's tough about this, right? Most of us in this room believe that Jesus is real. Most Christians are like, yeah, he lived, he believed. But what you haven't done, and this is prevailing in the church, a large majority of people that go to church every Sunday believe that Jesus existed, but they never believed in what Jesus did for them. They never said, here's my faith. I can put it in me and what I do, me and what I think. So I'm not going to take my faith anymore and put it in me. I'm going to put it in Jesus. I'm going to trust that my eternal salvation is on the back of Jesus. That he's the one who through his death saves me. Not through what I do, not through what I think, but I say thank you for the gift. Here, I'm, tr I'm trusting you. I'm putting my faith in you. No longer in me. I'm putting it in you. And so many of us have never done that. We've never said, I want to give my, my heart to Jesus. I want to let him live inside of me. I want to trust him with my future and stop trusting me with mine. So many of us have never done that. It's prevailing in the church. We come to church, but we don't know Jesus. We don't have a real relationship with him. So today you get an opportunity to say, I'm not just going to believe that Jesus existed. I'm going to believe in Jesus. I'm going to believe that he died for me and that he's offered me an opportunity to accept him. I'm not going to reject him anymore. I want you to come into my life. And so I'm going to say a prayer. And then sometime in the next week, in the next month, you get, you get to 
write a text to this phone number and say, your name and I have accepted Jesus. And you can do that tonight. You can do that right now. You can do it next week. And we are going to go, good, you've accepted what we've accepted. Our lives are changing together on this boat. Let's not reject God anymore. Let's go. So I'm going to say a prayer for those of you that want to accept Jesus for the first time. For the first time. You don't need to do this again if you've done it before, right? When you accept Jesus, you, you accept he's in you. It's, just, it, it's done. He saves you. If you've never done this before and you've never placed your faith in him, then now's the time to do it. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. It's just something that happens in your heart that represents your faith. So let's just take a minute and let's just pray. I'm just going to pray to God for a minute and then lead us in a prayer. Father, we're sorry that we would ever think that you rejected us. That you aren't patient. That you aren't loving. Fact is, you are so loving, so gracious. You've given us so many opportunities to turn and accept you, and we have rejected you. And I'm the first, right? I rejected you for years, God, and you did not reject me. You kept on coming after me. And there's so many of us in this room that, that rejected you and rejected you and rejected you, and now we're here, uh, and we get to make a decision. And God, I pray right now you would move in these people's hearts, that they would just feel your presence knocking on the door, that you want a relationship with them. And if that's you right now, I just want you to say this in your mind, in your heart. Just say this. Say Jesus. Say Jesus. Say, I love you. I am so sorry that I have rejected you for all this time. And you have always been faithfully accepting of me and provided a way for me. And you let it be my choice. And today... I choose you. I choose you, Jesus. I, I, I'm thankful that you died on the cross in my, in my place. And I just want you to come into my life like you, you can and change me. And I accept you. I accept you today. And just tell them this, guys. Just say, Jesus, thank you for your patience. Thank you for being patient with me. Thank you for giving me the time to hear this today so that I can make a choice to follow you. I love you. I worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, please connect with us. Something really, really cool, something really great, something eternal has happened in some of your lives this morning. It's time to join those of us that have accepted Jesus as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing.